Good afternoon. It is a joy and a blessing to be here. Um, really thankful to the Lord for, for this group of people. We are in a new building today, which is certainly a blessing from the Lord as well. Um, this is not a new church, though. <laughs> this building is not the church. Um, we, we are the church, and I think we all recognize that. But I want us to take a moment as, as we're getting ready to, to get into the scriptures today to think about the excitement that, that we might have about uh, a new meeting place uh, that actually has heating and cooling, <laughs> uh, that has more space. We, we need to have uh, a greater excitement, a greater passion, a greater diligence about improving the living stones that make up this church than we do about this physical facility. And if we could experience uh, the amount of improvements and upgrades in these living stones that we have in this physical facility and yet stay in that old building, we should choose that instead of coming here. That's what's most important. And that's what our focus needs to be on. And so I want to encourage you, as we experience some outward changes, to be thinking about inward changes, inward improvements, inward upgrades that we need to make in our service to the Lord as we seek to, to be a holy temple uh, for his dwelling place. You know, there is something about fresh starts that give us an opportunity to, to get zealous, to get focused uh, about growing. Uh, we're, we're going to see that here pretty soon as we come into the new year. Um, you know, once we get through the, the season uh, of being jolly, merry, and bright, we're going to get to the season of New Year's resolutions. And, and, and why is that? Well, there, there's something about a, a fresh calendar, a, a fr- fresh planner, kind of a, a clean slate beginning the year that gets us motivated to start off right. I think even experiencing this new building gives us an opportunity like that to, to give thought to starting off right. And as we approach the new year, many people will be making resolutions about exercising more, uh, eating healthier, uh, getting out of debt, maybe clearing out the clutter and getting more organized or spending more time with family. But maybe we should be thinking more, uh, not maybe, definitely, we should be thinking more about making some spiritual goals, some spiritual resolutions in our lives. And so that's what I, I want us to consider today. This passage that we just read here in 1 Corinthians 9 Um, Paul uses the illustration of running a race or competing as an athlete. I want to just read again uh, what Luke read for us uh, in verse 24 through the end of the chapter here in 1 Corinthians 9. Verse 24, Paul says, Do you not know that in a race all runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. 
I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. Here, this picture of, of running in a race, certainly in an athletic competition, only one person wins the prize. That's not the case in our service to the Lord. By God's grace, the, the prize is available to those who respond um, to the gospel. But Paul says our diligence in running this race needs to be all the greater because we're not competing for some earthly wreath, some earthly crown. We're in, competing for an imperishable crown. And so he says there in verse 26, so I do not run aimlessly or not without aim. I want you to think about the illustration of an athlete for a moment, especially an Olympic athlete who is training day after day. Everything they eat, everything they do is is focused on preparing their bodies for this competition so that they can win the prize. Paul says that's what needs to describe us in our spiritual lives. Are we running without aim? You know, have you ever seen somebody um, exercising, maybe in, in a gym, without any clear aim to what they were doing? When, when, when I think about that, and I, I may have shared this with some of you before, um, but I think about this GIF that I saw. I don't want to be too distracting, but just to give you a visual illustration of somebody who has no aim to what they're doing, right? Um, I, I don't think he's an Olympic athlete uh, that we're dealing with there. Somebody who, who doesn't really have a clear idea of, of what they need to be doing to prepare their bodies effectively. Does that describe us in our spiritual lives? As, as we are, are living our lives from day to day, spiritually speaking, do we have no aim? Uh, we need to make sure that we get serious about having some definite direction, some accountability, some drive, some focused effort in our spiritual lives. And you might think, well, I I know I don't want to be like that guy, um, but what do I need to do? What type of goals should I be setting? How can I develop clearer direction in my spiritual life? I I want us to think today about some, some types of spiritual goals that we can be setting or some different aspects of spiritual goals that we can set in our lives. And certainly we all recognize that our ultimate goal, that the prize, the imperishable crown that Paul is talking about here is is heaven, being with the Lord for all eternity. But I think as we strive towards that goal, um, we we might need some measurable goals uh, in the meantime that are pressing towards that final goal. First of all, I think we see uh, the importance of relationship goals. Now, now this might be a type of goal that somebody would make at the new year uh, to spend more time uh, focusing on building their marriage, more time devoted to their kids. But relationship goals are often lacking what should be the most important relationship of our lives, our relationship with God. Have we set any goals in our relationship with him? Or are we just kind of drifting along at autopilot in our spiritual walk? 
how well do you know God? I'm not talking about an intellectual understanding. I'm not talking about uh, simply uh, knowledge of the scripture um, or, or knowledge of theology. H- how intimately acquainted are you with God, with his character, with his passions, with his likes and dislikes? Jeremiah chapter 9, if you want to turn there with me. Jeremiah chapter 9, verse 23 and 24 um, back when we overviewed Jeremiah, we saw this as one of the, the key passages. And verse 23, Jeremiah says, Thus says the Lord, let not the wise man boast in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man boast in his might. Let not the rich man boast in his riches. But let him who boasts boast in this, that he understands and knows me. That I am the Lord who practices steadfast love, justice, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, declares the Lord. Do you notice there, uh, he says we're not to boast in wisdom, not to boast in might, not to boast in riches. You know, those are some of the things that we might be setting uh, some New Year's resolutions about, right? We, we want to advance in our education. We, we want to advance in, in our physical health, in our finances. God says, that's not what's most important. You need to to take that effort, that energy, that diligence, and apply it to what's most important, knowing me, developing a relationship with me. That should be the most foundational goal of the Christian life. In Hosea chapter 6, in verse 3, Hosea writes, So let us know, let us press on to know the Lord. Later on in verse 6, he says, uh, God speaking, for I delight in loyalty rather than sacrifice and in the knowledge of God rather than burnt offering. Both in Jeremiah and Hosea, God's saying, I want you to know me. I want you to develop a relationship with me. God knows us. God knows everything about us. God knows the very hairs on our head. God's intimately acquainted with us and he wants us to be intimately acquainted with him. As deeply invested as God is in us, he wants us to be focusing on developing a relationship with him. Well, how do we do that? How do we set goals in our relationship with God? Well, I think we understand most fundamentally, we need to allow him to reveal himself to us through the scriptures. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, starting in verse 9. We read, but as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the Spirit that is in that person? So also, no one comprehends the thoughts of God except for the Spirit of God. Now we have received, not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. And we impart this in words, not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. Here, no one has seen God face to face. Nobody uh, can simply presume on on reading the mind of God. I, I think sometimes we try to do that. Well, I think God would approve of this. I think this is the way that God feels about it. 
Well, no, we, we can't do that. We can't even read one another's minds, let alone the mind of our infinite creator. But what Paul is telling us is by God's grace, he's revealed to us. E- even the depths of God, he, by his spirit, has revealed these words that Paul even now is penning, that reveal to us his thoughts, his mind. Look in, in verse 16, he says, For who has understood the mind of the Lord? So as to instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ. Brethren, we have the mind of Christ. The words that the Spirit has revealed to us are the very thoughts of God. And that's how we need to think about it. As we approach the scriptures, I get to to read God's mind. I get to see what he's thinking, how he feels about things. You know, why why is it that 75% of our Bible is the Old Testament. I I thought we weren't under that covenant anymore. Well, the Old Testament is revealing to us the character of God. Every encounter, every narrative, every prophet is telling us how God thinks, who God is, how he sees the world. And so as I approach the scriptures, I need to approach it as the autobiography of God. I need to approach it as an opportunity to get to know him and understand how he thinks, to see the world through his eyes. And so as we think about setting spiritual goals, we need to get serious about developing a deeper understanding of who God is, a deeper knowledge of God, a deeper intimacy with him. We last year did a congregational reading plan at the beginning of the year. Um, and that, that's hard. It's hard to, to keep up with that. I, I imagine that there's probably many among us who started out thinking that we were going to read all the way through it and, and didn't get through it. But we need to get serious about that. We need to get serious, whether by using some, some reading plan here or something else or, or, or just setting aside time every day to spend time in God's word. By God's grace, he has given us the opportunity to know him. Are we using that opportunity. And as we come to know God, as we set relationship goals, that's also going to mean setting goals and communicating to him. You know, Jesus, uh, God's son, uh, God in the flesh, certainly has has a deeper, more intimate relationship with the father than, than any of us have. And yet, you look in the scriptures and see how many times Jesus is praying. How many times early in the morning he's getting up to go spend time communicating with the Father. How many times late into the evening he's staying up to communicate with the Father. How many times he's he's leaving crowds of people so that he can go and spend time with the Father. If we want a relationship, uh, an intimate relationship with the Lord. We need to be communicating with him. And we need to develop a deeper consciousness of his presence in our life from day to day. T- turn with me to Psalm 139. Psalm 139, David talks about God's spirit, God's presence. Look starting in verse 7. Psalm 139, verse 7 through 10 says, Where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. 
God is omnipresent. Do we recognize that from day to day? Do we acknowledge that from day to day? Do, do we recognize that right here, right now, God's presence is with us? And, and not just in this assembly. Wherever I go, day or night, God is there. I'm afraid sometimes we get so caught up in our day-to-day activities that we don't stop to acknowledge the fact that God is present. And if he's present, then how should that affect the way we interact with him? You know, imagine for a moment that Aaron was with me wherever I went, all the time, 24-7, Aaron was with me, but I never really talked to her. I, in fact, I, I really only talked to her at mealtimes and, you know, sometimes right before bed, I'd talk to her a little bit. Uh, and then if I'm around other people, you know, other Christians, well, then, then I'll talk to her. Do I have a very good relationship with Aaron? <laughs> Not at all. I, I think the more deeply re- we recognize God's presence in our lives, it's going to impact the way that we live. It's going to impact the amount of time we want to spend communicating with him, letting him communicate to us. I think it's going to have an impact uh, in in our spiritual growth as as we deal with temptation as well. You know, um, if if God is there, if if Jesus is, is here before me, the one who died for my sins, if his spirit is dwelling with me, then how could I bring myself to sin in his presence. I think we need a, a deeper appreciation for God's presence in our lives. Uh, and that's going to cultivate a deeper relationship through listening to him and his word, through communicating to him in prayer. What are some specific measurable goals that you could aim for in your relationship with God? Well, as we think about relationship goals as kind of the foundation of our spiritual growth, Um, I want us to also think about character goals because the Christian life is about more than uh, foundationally coming to know God. It's about allowing that knowledge to transform us. We are to get to know him so that his character can be reflected in our lives from day to day. Have you ever seen an old married couple that have spent so much time together that they look like one another? Uh, that they act like one another, um, you know, they, they, they talk the same way. In a sense, that's what God desires for us, that we should be so intimately acquainted with him that people look at us and they see him, that people see our father living in us. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and in verse 18, as we have an illustration here of, of the, the old covenant Uh, And the veil that was over Moses' face, uh, that they wouldn't see the fading of the glory reflected in his face. It says here in 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 18, But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord the Spirit. That's the picture of what God wants for us under the new covenant, that, that we, that the veil has been removed in, in more senses than one here. We are able to see him 
to have a relationship with him in such a way that his glory would be reflected in our countenance, in our face. Just like Moses encountered the Lord and God's glory shone forth in his face, we need to spend time with the Lord in a way that, that our countenance, our life from day to day would reflect God's glory under the new covenant, a glory that, that doesn't have to be veiled, that's not going to, to fade away. The Bible provides us with a variety of virtue lists to examine and evaluate our lives. We studied about one just last week, Ephesians chapter 6, the armor of God, describing different aspects of, of Christian character. There's a lot of other uh, lists like that in the scriptures. Philippians 4 verse 8 tells us the, the kind of things that we need to be thinking or meditating upon. Uh, Galatians chapter 5, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. I, I just encourage you to sit down to look through some of those virtue lists, Galatians 5, Philippians 4, Ephesians 6, um, 2 Peter 1, which we're going to talk about in a moment, and go through each of those characteristics. Rate, rate yourself on 1 to 10. How am I doing on reflecting this aspect of God's character? Am, am, I, am I really struggling in this aspect? And if you recognize that there is an in particular characteristic of God that you're not reflecting very well, Get serious about some ways that you can very intentionally and very diligently work to develop that aspect of God within your life. T turn your Bibles with me to 2 Peter chapter 1. This is another one of those virtue lists, and it, it reads almost like uh, an exercise regimen. Um, you know, that, that you, you start with this, and then you pr press on to this, and this other exercise, and this other exercise. Um, here in 2 Peter 1, Leading up to that virtue list, I want to start reading in verse 2. Verse 2 says, May grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence, by which he has granted to us his precious and very... Um, precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desires. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue and virtue with knowledge, knowledge with self-control, self-control with steadfastness, steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. Do you see what he said leading up to that list? Because he starts that list by saying, for this reason. Well, what reason? What was he talking about? Well, he starts off the letter by talking about the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord there in verse 2. He says in verse 3 that God, by his divine power, has granted us everything that pertains to life and godliness through that knowledge, through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. So this is what we were talking about, the knowledge of God. God has revealed himself to us so that we can come to know him, but he's called us to his glory and his excellence. He's granted us this knowledge. He's granted us these things that through him in verse 4, we may become partakers of the divine nature. God created us in his image. We've broken that image, but God's desire for us is that we might take part in his nature, in his image, 
that other people will see his character living in us. And for that reason, Peter says, you need to work on these things. And so if we want um, to fulfill God's purpose for us, uh, we need to spend some time not only getting to know him, but allowing that knowledge to transform us that we might adopt his character in our lives. Too often, we allow the world to be the the mold that uh, forms our thinking, our actions from day to day. Romans 12 and verse 2 says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. We spend a lot of time around the world. Uh, through our TV screen, through our computer screen, our our phone, out at at work, in society. Uh, We spend a lot of time allowing the world to influence us. We need to make sure that that is not what is molding our character, but that we are allowing God to mold our character, God to mold the way that we think, the way that we speak, the way that we dress, the, the things that we entertain ourselves with. That's not uh, the world molding us, but rather the Lord. What area of character do you need to work on? Uh, Look through 2 Peter. Look through Galatians 5. Um, Make some very specific uh, goals, some very specific aims in your spiritual life to develop more fully the character of God. But we keep saying, what are some measurable? What are some specific goals that you can make? And I think we need to recognize we need practical goals in our spiritual walk. It's very easy to say, well, I want to get to know God better. Okay, (laughs) that's good. Uh, I want to develop the character of God. I want to be more loving. Yes, that's good, but, but how? What are we specifically going to do to make that happen? Setting spiritual goals is not just about the mind and heart. It starts in the mind and heart, but it needs to be applied in the way that we live uh, from day to day. Our aim uh, is often too generic and too vague to be of any practical value. Look in Proverbs chapter 4. Proverbs chapter 4, starting in verse 23, we see that the heart is the focus here. Proverbs 4, verse 23, we're told, Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. But notice what Proverbs goes on to say. Verse 24, Put away from you crooked speech, and put devious talk far from you. Let your eyes look directly forward, and your gaze be straight before you. Ponder the path of your feet, then all your ways will be sure. Do not swerve to the right or to the left. Turn your foot away from evil. So he says it starts with the heart, but it doesn't end there, does it? He then gives us some instructions about what we need to do with our mouth and what we need to do with our eyes, what we need to do with our feet. If we're going to uh, be intentional, and be diligent about growing the way that God, the ways that God wants us to grow. And we need to get a little bit more specific about how I'm going to develop that character of God with my life. How I'm going to put a, put a greater priority on developing a deeper in, uh, intimacy with the Lord. 
And so I'd encourage you to make some practical goals about your eyes, about your ears, about your mouth, and about your feet, about how specifically you are going to better um, strive to reflect God's character in your interactions from day to day and in uh, the way that you live your life. You know, if an athlete were trying to train for a race or competition, they don't simply go to the gym and say, well, I need to be stronger. I need to be faster, right? No, an Olympic athlete is going to go in knowing, okay, I need to do this many reps of this, and then I need to work out this muscle, and then I need to make sure I'm eating this type of diet, right? Uh, that translates into some very specific goals. And I'm not saying that, that we need to uh, be, be regimented in, in such a way that, you know, we're going to do 15 minutes of prayer and 15 minutes of, uh, of reading and intervals. Uh, I think we're taking that concept a little bit too far, if that's our idea. But we need, do need to be very intentional. Because what happens is when we're not intentional, when we're not specific, these vague goals don't go anywhere. Um, we need some focus and some accountability, some direction. Look, look in Job 31 in verse 1. I think we see Job being very specific in his spiritual goals as he here later in the book is defending his integrity. Uh, in Job 31 in verse 1, he says, I have made a covenant with my eyes. How then could I gaze at a virgin? And I'm not sure that Job is just being figurative in the way he's uh, expressing this. Job has made some very specific covenants with himself, with his body parts, uh, has made some very specific commitments and how he's going to deal with different temptations. He had already determined in his mind, exactly how he would handle this temptation. He would not allow his eyes to linger where his mind should not go. Maybe we need to make some covenants with ourselves, with our body, and how we deal with things from day to day. Look in Psalm 101. I think we see David making some very specific commitments in his service to the Lord. Psalm 101 um, this, this psalm is filled with promises, filled with commitments, with resolutions. Starting in verse 1, we're going to go ahead and read the, the entire psalm. It's just eight verses. He says, I will sing of the steadfast love and justice. To you, O Lord, I will make music. I will ponder the way that is blameless. O when will you come to me? I will walk with integrity of heart within my house. I will not set before my eyes anything that is worthless. I hate the work of those who fall away. It shall not cling to me. A perverse heart shall be far from me. I will know nothing evil. Whoever slanders his neighbor secretly, I will destroy. Whoever has a haughty look and an arrogant heart, I will not endure. I will look with favor on the faithful in the land that they may dwell with me. He who walks in the way that is blameless shall minister to me. No one who practices deceit shall dwell in my house. No one who utters lies shall continue before my eyes. Morning by morning, I will destroy all the wicked in the land, cutting off all the evildoers from the city of the Lord. Here David is making a covenant with 
with his eyes, um, stating some very definite commitments that would direct his life and service to God uh, and as the king of Israel uh, in particular. But this entire psalm he, he wrote down as a reminder of the commitments that he's made to the Lord. You know, perhaps you and I could benefit by writing our own psalm of commitment and uh, the way that we are going to live in our service to the Lord. Um, Maybe we need to write a psalm of, of spiritual goals. What, what covenant with your eyes, what covenant with your ears or your mouth do you need to make? What covenant with your time or energy, what boundaries do you need to set in your life um, to make sure that you are on the right track in your service to the Lord? I want to talk about one last aspect of, of spiritual goals here, and that is action goals. As we talk about making a covenant with ourselves, uh, making a covenant with the Lord uh, in our service, those shouldn't just be goals about what we're not going to do. Uh, Those need to be goals as well about what we are going to do. Goals of service and ministry within the church and towards the world around us. Uh, One one thing I I didn't include in my, my notes, but I found interesting here in 1 Corinthians 9, um, back where Paul makes this statement about competing as an athlete. Uh, I had Luke go ahead and read verse 19 through 23, because this idea of winning is already present in the passage even before we get to verse 24. Um, notice he says back in verse 19, for though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all that I might win more of them. Paul goes on to continue that language. To the Jew, I became as a Jew in order to win Jews. To those under the law, I became as one under the law, though not being myself under the law, that I might win those under the law. Then he gets to this illustration of an athlete striving to win the prize. And and he starts making some personal application there. I think we see a transition of verse 23 as he talks about um, winning the prize uh, in a different sense for himself. But I think here we see Paul striving as an athlete to win souls. Uh, Maybe we need to set some very specific goals in striving to be evangelistic and striving to reach out to those around us. And as well, time after time in the scriptures, uh, we see God talking about the importance of good works in the Christian life. In Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we should walk in them. Titus 2 and verse 14, Who gave himself to redeem us from every lawless deed and to purify for himself a people for his own possession, zealous for good deeds. Our redemption and reconciliation was not an end within itself. God restored us for a purpose. He created us for good works. He saved us so that we might serve others. He he blessed us so that we could be a blessing to others. Character is not just something to be possessed. It's something to be lived actively from day to day. What, What good works, what good deeds are you involved in from day to day? And week to week. You might say, well, well, I attend church regularly. I read my Bible 
regularly. I, I pray regularly. We've spent a lot of time talking about the importance of those things. But I don't think those are the things that are being talked about when it talks about us being prepared for good works. Uh, you know, in Matthew chapter 5, verse 16, we're told, Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Unfortunately, I don't think the world around us is simply going to see that we, we don't smoke and we don't drink and we don't, you know, curse and we go to church and then glorify God for those things. I think primarily what we're seeing in this context is them showing the light of, of service, of love for other people. Those are the things that the world around us is going to see. Now, if we don't maintain holiness, then it doesn't matter how many good works we're, we're doing. But I think when the scriptures talks about good works, it's talking about something a little bit more active than that and service to other people. We see this in the book of James as well. You know, James talks a lot in James chapter 2 about how faith without works is dead. But in context, what type of works is James speaking of? Look in James chapter 1 in verse 27, uh, shortly before he talks about faith without works. James chapter 1 and verse 27 says, Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. That's the type of works that James in context is talking about. In fact, we see that in James chapter 2, uh, starting in verse 14. James 2 verse 14, What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace and be warmed and filled without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. The primary illustration that he picks out, consistent with what he has said at the end of chapter 1, is works of service, of serving other people. And so, in addition to developing a deeper relationship with the Lord, allowing his character to shine through us, one of the ways that that character is going to shine is not just by what we don't do. It's going to shine in the things that we are active in doing and showing his love, uh, his servant's heart. And the way we, uh, as Galatians 6 would tell us, first and foremost, serve the household of faith uh, and do good to all. So what specific measurable goals can you set for serving others? Are you running without aim in your spiritual life? It's so easy for us to just kind of turn on autopilot, uh, get in certain habits of, of how we live from day to day, uh, how we serve the Lord. We need to be very intentional um, about training as athletes. Uh, that we might win the prize by God's grace. If you recognize today that there's some specific goal, specific commitment, specific aim that you need to make, won't, won't you do that? Don't wait for the New Year's resolution. Uh, go ahead. Use the opportunity right now to set some very specific goals and how you are going to grow in your relationship and service to the Lord. I hope we as well as a congregation can be thinking, uh, hopefully now, 
uh, begin to think a little bit less and less about this physical facility and think more and more about how we need to be being built up as living stones and what we can do to better be who God wants us to be individually um, and together in his service. If there's any way uh, that you need to maybe publicly make a change, if you need to repent of some sin in your life, ask for the prayers of these brethren. God is faithful and just. He's merciful and gracious to forgive. And if you've never committed your life to the Lord, uh, if you've never become his child, you've never become part of his body, God, through the sacrifice of his son, has made a way for you to be cleansed of your sins. If you're willing to put the old man of sin to death, to bury him uh, by God's grace in the waters of baptism, you can be raised with Jesus Christ to live a new life, uh, a life uh, of holiness, uh, a life by God's grace, uh, to his glory, reflecting his character. If there's any way that we can help you in your relationship with the Lord, won't you please let it be known at this time by coming to the front as we stand and sing together.